Hi to my friends, fans, and followers. I'd like to start by saying that within the first year of my acting career, I was in five different television shows and one movie. Each and every one of those acting roles were very different, and yet I enjoyed all of them. Therefore, it's rather interesting to go back and to be able to share with all of you the early time in my acting career as well. As my personal life. Hope you're with me, as I'm absolutely 100% with you. One of my favorites was a role in a television series known as Gidget, that was starring a fresh newcomer known as Sally Field. So, my friends, here we go. Today's podcast episode is the war between Gidget and me. May I say I was so excited, actually over the moon would be more like it, when I learned I'd been chosen by a known and respected director, E. W. Swackhammer, to play Patty Cromwell, a somewhat snippy, snooty girl. Who thought she was top of the line in school, a girl that would get everything she wanted, and of course, thought she was God's gift to any boy or guy. Although before I continue with Gidget, I'd like to tell a short and kind of a silly story. Actually, well, it is to me anyway, a funny story. I want to talk about what in particular can happen behind the scenes on sets in television. Or even in film, there are times, once in a while, that unusual things occur, and I want to share one of them, especially if they're unusual or funny. Working with directors can be lots of fun, sometimes difficult, but always interesting. Why is that? Because there are times when the actor goes off script. And is so far into the character that he or she is bringing to life more than the written script conveys. Check. Please check. Bewitched episode number four, Agnes Moorhead versus director. I recall a specific director, no name, and no, it wasn't Gidget. And this director was in a good mood and seemed as if he was very relaxed. And that, my friends, can be a good thing, right? Most directors are spot on serious, but I want to share something off the charts. There was a time that one specific director was directing me in a scene, and everything seemed to be going just peachy keen, perfect, wow, great. When all of a sudden he began to kind of giggle, and then out of nowhere. Yelled, cut! In a firm voice, in the middle of my scene, which made me nervous, and I had done something, or like I'd done something wrong. Basically, I was so unsure as to why he stopped everything. The director kept 
eyeing me, which of course made me feel as if I'd made a mistake. Or if someone else had done something because it most assuredly was not I. You may not believe that I soon found out that someone whom I didn't know, possibly a crew member, had passed wind and obviously had a gas problem. And that was why the director was so upset and that is what he had heard. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I'd not heard anything, although our director had heard something. And that was what made him very upset. To add insult to injury, he firmly said, whoever did it, leave now. Not a single soul walked out or, or nobody even confessed, which irritated him even more. And like a dog sniffing for a bone, he got up and he looked around, although not one person owned up to it. Not one person even looked guilty. And why? For what? I surely didn't know. I thought to myself, it must be an inside joke. I mean, I just didn't know what to do or say, and others were also shrugging their shoulders as if to say, I didn't do it, whatever it was. Please recognize that unexpectedly, and to my knowledge, there wasn't anyone confessing. What the heck are they or anyone? What, what, what is anyone supposed to be doing? Confessing what? Anyhow, finally a person next to me whispered, somebody, I missed that. Somebody what? I'm sorry. I, I just didn't hear you. What's happening here? I couldn't hear you. I truly couldn't. And on top of that, I knew that many were doing their best to hold back laughter. And at this point in time, including me, I, I just didn't know what to do. Okay, hold thing. This whole thing was ridiculous. Just ridic. And anyway, another thing happened. Why was everyone looking around at everyone else? You know, anyway, now to me, it was very strange, absurd, unusual. And now I felt like an outsider. So you know what I did? I just looked around and simply started to laugh. <laughs> oh, but that was such a fake laugh, you know, but they didn't know me, so it was okay. Anyway, others who had finally burst out laughing continued. So, in looking back, the whole situation was so funny to me. You may choose to think about this topic or even ponder the situation, and so please Excuse me, but please let me know through your written responses if I was wrong or even, you know, try to repeat the story. Maybe I was. It's okay. I can take it. I mean the story, not the flatulence. Ooh, I said it. And now you all know. <laughs> By the way, I did research on this particular topic, and I've learned that presidents and even the Queen or King of England can be quite windy. <laughs> oh, yes. Anyhow, 
Now back to Gidget. Please believe me when I say that in Gidget, I had to work hard on being bitchy and thinking I was a top-of-the-line girl. However, looking back, I was extroverted on the outside while hiding an ultra-sensitive and confusing time in my own private life. You may or may not know that sometimes we women can be wearing a big smile on the outside even when we feel the opposite on the inside. Right, girls? Ladies? I think you know precisely and exactly what I'm talking about in your heart of hearts. Having said that, the first day of work on Gidget was wonderful because all cast members, I mean all the girls and guys, were really, really friendly, making me feel relaxed and not like an outsider at all. Um, you see, well, let me just tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. Yes, many times other girls, women, don't want to be friendly. Believe it or not, in the movie industry, there can be a wicked competitive nature. And I know because it happened to me big time on the Jerry Lewis show. And no, I won't tell you with whom. I was super excited to be working with Sally Field on the very first day. She came up to me with a big friendly smile and said, hello, and introduced herself, which made me feel very, very comfortable. Some may not have known her at that time, but she was a ball of fire as an actress, and there wasn't anyone comparable. And for those of us who were in the film industry, in the film business, all you had to do was see her once in a scene, and we knew she was going places and was most definitely headed for stardom. I thought Sally was the most down-to-earth girl I'd ever met, really, seriously. The type of girl you'd want to be friends with, I mean really close friends for all of your life. Sadly for me, I didn't ever get that chance because she was one of the busiest, if not the busiest girls I had ever met. So I quickly realized I had to put those thoughts of long-term friendship onto the back burner of my brain. All the cast and even the crew were great, and I simply can't say enough really complimentary things about, about my experience working with Sally Field and the whole cast who were special and always professional. Such a wonderful and exciting time I will never, ever forget. FYI, all of the clothing I wore as Patty Cromwell were mine. Actually, if and when you see me in Donna Reed's show, you may notice that I'm wearing some of the same outfits as well. So, all of that was mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just playing with you, but it's true. There was one thing that made me feel somewhat off-kilter. Something that had become a problem for me. I looked attractive with my long blonde hair and had a developed body for a high school girl, but those things happen. You know, and after all, that was the reason I was chosen to play the part of sexy Patty Cromwell. What I mean to say is the director had hired me and said I fit that character to perfection, that kind of a girl, so for sure, that was who I had to be and portray. 
If this description sounds unusual, it's because I had already begun to feel different, and that was the beginning of my not having many girlfriends in my life. It might have been okay if I was dumb, but I was not. And maybe I was naive because my family had sheltered me, but definitely I was not a ninny. As a matter of fact, the emphasis in my home was looking good was great, but if I didn't have smarts and knowledge, I was a loser. That's the word, loser. In other words, I had to have the package, and most important was my mind, my smarts. To look at me or how I presented myself could possibly turn off both men and women because what I was outside definitely didn't match who I was inside. This thing developing on the outside was immediately categorizing me as what was known as, whoops, <laughs> sex appeal. At that time, I was just beginning to understand that this particular development could, along with knowledge, be very powerful in a woman's life. And this woo-woo thing, well, was astounding, kind of scary in a way, that became known as sex appeal. Only thing was, it could definitely be a drawback, as many women and men would immediately categorize me as, oh, she's just pretty, nothing else going on in that head, and began an obstacle that I recognized I would have to work hard to overcome. Moving right along, supposing we flash back, and my question is, do any of you remember Bruce in my second episode? Jan and Dean take Linda surfing? I was on that cover of that album. Anyway, um, he was my very first love, Bruce, which was most of you know what that means. Well, going back, I believe you know that something happened in that relationship that I will always remember and yet want very hard to forget. I will label it, truth hurts. All right, all right, all right. Since I brought this subject up, I'll confess what happened at that time in my life. <sighs> it's certainly not a pretty picture, but many of you might find it amusing. Although to me, it was a catastrophe. Just an absolute catastrophic mess. You probably have guessed I was already on a bumpy ride, but now I'm revealing it was also a very bumpy road indeed. I'm sure many of you may recall how I fell madly in love with Bruce, my very first love, and you all know what that means, righto. Mm. After months of being together, dating and feeling I was madly in love, I began to wonder, well, what are his intentions? And so I kind of conferred with my mother and then she revealed that she was, um, well, that she was quite concerned, frankly, very concerned. So 
One day, my one and only most trusting best friend, Jill, whom you will hear much about in other episodes, told me about someone, a girl that might possibly be able to help me discover if Bruce was being loyal to me or not. After all, I was madly in love, and certainly I didn't want to get hurt, get my heart broken or anything like that, of course. So Jill confided that she knew about a girl that was known for sleeping around and going to bed with lots of guys. I continued to listen with my ears like really glued to hearing what the whole story was as she shared the wild and crazy reputation this girl had already acquired. Going further, and after hearing about this girl, Jill arranged for me to meet the infamous Donna. Step one, the plan was for all three of us to meet, get together, have a little something to eat, and talk about my situation with Bruce. After all, you know, I, I wanted to trust this girl. This was mandatory. Step two, a meeting was arranged at a nearby restaurant named Tale of the Cock. True name, I swear to God. And with the three of us, as I naively started to open up and talk about my doubts and worries concerning my future with Bruce. Therefore, the three of us unanimously agreed that it surely could lead to a broken heart. At least a broken heart for me. Although frightened in my mind, it was certainly my decision and I was bound and determined to discover the truth. Step three. Donna had a wild plan and thought her idea would pin him to the wall if he was guilty, claiming she knew exactly what to do. She was on board and wanted to nail him. One thing she emphasized was that if Bruce didn't go for her flirtation, he was going to be a true blue keeper. So all three of us thought of the plan as we kind of rubbed our rubbed our hands together at the, this experiment, and she went on to explain just how she envisioned the scheme to unfold. I remember perspiring, just like right now, even though there was adequate air conditioning in that restaurant. As she unveiled, she unveiled details of the plan. Now, as reality began to set in, I began to feel <clears throat> a little discomfort at what my future could or would hold. I mean, what if? Step four. Donna went on explaining how her plan would work. She was excited to help and mentioned again that she'd done these kinds of things before. Did I mention it was a very hot day in the valley? Yes, I suppose I did. Well, okay, I put that in just now because I'm quite nervous even telling this story. You know, going back in time, etc. etc. So, I'd asked for it, and boom, there was a high five, go sign between the three of us, and we were on our way to enter into Donna's plan. Hmm. 
Step 5. Donna's plan was to bump into Bruce in his apartment building and she'd flirt with him. And if he took the bait, and so on, well, I think you guys have the idea. Ah, I was highly nervous, biting my nails. Now, going forward, the green light was on. I knew what time he would be coming home, so we three girls hopped into Jill's car and drove to his building, parking across the street, waiting until we saw Bruce walking toward his building. Bingo! The three of us ducked all at the same time. Then, without hesitation, Donna quickly jumped out of the car as per our plan. I had no idea it would happen this quickly. Jill and I watched as Donna bumped into Bruce, seeming to briefly chat, and entered with him into his building. At this point, I was a basket case. We waited, and then Jill said, You better go now. Sounds like the name of a song. You better go now. Shaking like a leaf with butterflies in my tummy, I opened the car door, saluted to Jill like I was walking the plank or something, and walked across the street into the apartment building and into the elevator, pressing the button, taking me up to Bruce's floor. Now, by that time, I was even more of a nervous wreck. You know, my palms were sweating. As the elevator doors opened, I thought to myself, I want, I need to go back. But thoughts were flying through my head as I knew if I didn't take that long walk down the hall or corridor to his apartment, the whole scheme or the whole deal would fall through. And even worse, if I didn't walk out of that elevator now, right now, Donna would be in a situation with Bruce that would present an even far worse situation for everybody. I mean, all of us. Now, somehow, all of a sudden, I was standing in front of his apartment and I put my ear to the door. Oh, not a sound. Maybe they weren't inside. Ah, I quietly said a brief prayer. Uh, That would be a brief prayer. (laughs) And still, no sound. Nothing. And then I touched the doorknob, and it was unlocked. And then I remembered. (laughs) It was unlocked as per the plan. Now, I was super nervous. I mean, still nervous, super nervous, whatever. It was a nervous girl. But slowly, I opened the front door to his apartment. Next, doing my best, I gained control of myself and called, Bruce, honey. And then, and then, ah, it all, well, everything happened. All at once, so fast, like a cyclone or a hurricane, hurricane, hurricane. As his bedroom door flew open, and out ran Donna with a bedsheet around her naked body while holding her own clothes and as she ran like the wind with a thumbs up 
and a big wink, she 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 couldn't wait to get out of Bruce's front door. And as I watched, like a shy or shocked buffoon, not knowing what to do, and of course never imagining the enormous drama as I felt tears rolling down my cheeks, and I also ran out the door. And next thing I knew, Bruce was running in his underpants after me, yelling, Linda, Linda, honey. As I described this wild and crazy situation, it all happened so quickly, like an old Charlie Chaplin movie, or maybe, I don't know, Laurel and Hardy, or I, yeah, a Woody Allen movie. Donna had run. No, she flew down the back stairs, and I was running down the hall looking for cover, a possible place to hide from Bruce. Yes, he found me all right, and of course he was already trying to create a story and at the same time was begging for my forgiveness. Now, listen to this, everybody. At this point, I was more angry than hurt. And from that moment on, I never really trusted him again until, until, until he proposed, what? And that's another story, but I believe what I've just revealed was enough to make many of you wonder, who can you trust? Warning to all you guys, please listen to me very carefully. We females have a built-in intuition. Call it animal instinct. But you guys, well, you guys just don't have it. I'm sorry, I didn't create you. You must either be very loyal or very, very careful. I love you all. God bless you and stay safe. Mwah!